This is the Echo Cast. I am Morgan, aka Bond, and this is a podcast about all of the news, reviews, and speculation around video games on all platforms and almost every genre. This week, we are going to talk about Sifu's difficulty, Xbox confirming things, Nintendo's Direct. I'm going to talk about one game, just to throw it out there. Uh, Shinobi's AAA dev list, Crossfire X's release, my top 10 most anticipated games, the Lightyear trailer, a new Mass Effect, Tally Best Girl statue, uh, and the Division Heartland leaks, as well as some listener questions and content updates. So let's get into it. Okay, so before that please take a moment to subscribe to and rate the podcast as well as share it on social media with your friends your family your babysitter i i I don't know if anyone who listens to this has a babysitter but if you do or if you're that's just what you're into and you pay someone like once a month to do that cool Listen to the podcast while you do whatever you're doing. Just throwing it out there. I have a very soothing voice. You both may fall asleep. If your platform allows it, please leave a review, especially on iTunes and Spotify. If you are on YouTube, please rate now. Leave a comment. Uh, say what you think about the show. Ask a question for next week or just say say Hello for the algorithm uh but do it right now and then if you have something to add you can just edit it at the end of the show but say something right now if you're listening then don't worry about it just carry on if you are on discord please join the show's channel the link is down in the description so we can talk about these episodes games in general sports or anything else that comes up Last but not least, please consider contributing to my 2022 Extra Life campaign by clicking on the link in the description or the comments below. Gaming news. Sifu is too hard. Or so some people think. So there's um, kind of two takes on this um, story. So basically there's a big discussion going on about how difficult this new PlayStation timed exclusive is it's also on pc on the epic game store how hard this game is because it has no difficulty selections you just start it up and you play and it's supposedly very hard um, especially the final boss Um, so there's two discussions to be had Um, there's one discussion going on about whether um whether someone who's bad at the game should review it uh, and if you should have to finish a game like this to review it or any game really um, as well as um, accessibility and whether games should be accessible to everyone if there's a responsibility to do that or if some games should be allowed to just be hard and not cater to everyone 
And there's multiple points to that discussion. So let's start with the first one with reviews. So the reviews have overall been very good for Sifu. Um, I'll open up the open critic real quick. <clears throat> so it's, uh, it has a, uh, it's rating is 80 uh, and 80 on, on Sifu. So, uh, you know, it's got ratings from the eights to the recommendeds to nines. I do see one as low as six and four and a half. Um, but it looks like around eight. So the meta, the meta or open critic score of, of nine of 80 makes sense. And it kind of goes along with what I've seen from people saying about it. Apparently the combat is very, um, satisfying and very good and very challenging and just, just a good game. So, um, the discussion comes where there's been reviewers who have given it bad scores because they found it too hard. And there is a kind of a interesting back and forth about this whole thing of if someone's not good at the game, should they even be allowed to review it? Even to the point where I've seen people say like game reviewing companies or whatever need to get their, their best gamer to play games like this. Right. And I don't agree. And here's why the average person is not going to be the best gamer in reviews. In my opinion are supposed to be for the average person. Um, the, the company who made Sifu, the developer has made other games. Um, and I believe their other games have been similar to Sifu. So someone who knew they were going to be into this because of the previous games that this developer has made or whatever, um, you know, they, they don't care about the review. They were going to get this game. Other people just saw the previews and the gameplay and were like, this game looks cool. I don't care what a reviewer thinks. And those are the people who are probably better at games or more dedicated or whatever. But the person who, like me, I would argue, is looking for critics who are probably pretty average gamers as well to, to see what they say. And a, a big thing for me is I, I think that it's hard. I think you really need to find like four or five reviewers that you follow. And... Um, because if you, if you read the review or watch a review from someone that you've never heard their opinion on any other game, it's so hard to judge what their baseline is. And I think that's what happens here. Someone gives this game uh, a six out of 10 at Metro game central. And if you read their review or watch it and they say all this awful stuff about the game, and you may be like, oh, this person just sucks at the game or they don't like these games. But you have no reference. You don't know. You, 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 you know, you're bringing your own bias into that. On kind of funny to more ripped this game apart and then recommended it, you know. And so, you know, if you don't understand how these reviewers typically review games and have a feel for them, you won't understand if they are maybe just critical, but they can, they still enjoy it. 
and that that may come around or maybe the person just sucks at it and that made it a bad experience that's okay if a reviewer reviews this game and they don't have fun with it they should be allowed to say that now hopefully they can be objective and they can still talk about the graphics or you know the the gameplay or the story and and, and give it credit where it's due if they believe it is um, and then they can hopefully honestly say, maybe I didn't like this game because I suck at it. But there's this idea that, you know, you have to be like a pro gamer to be a reviewer and you don't be. And I'm glad people aren't. It's why I like kind of funny. I, I, I don't really think basically just to more and Gary on, on kind of funny's podcast and content are like, have a history of like, critical written out deep reviews where most of the other people there are just kind of like throwing out their take and that's fine especially if you watch their content over months and years and you start to get the feel for yeah well greg said this game sucks but he also likes uh, avengers and these other games that most people think suck so you know maybe greg's take isn't the one that you're going to take to the bank but it's still worth getting and, and yeah, so that whole thing, the, the whole thing about that, you know, and we've seen this with multiple games that just because someone isn't a pro gamer at a game, they can still give their take. And if anything, I, I think their take is as valuable as anybody's um, and, and maybe even more so for people like them who may be interested in the game. Now, the other discussion going on right now with Sifu is accessibility. And this has been a big discussion, especially in games like the um, like the, the Souls games in that genre, where um, this accessibility thing breaks, I think, into two branches. People who aren't very good at games and enjoy easier experiences to just experience the game and people who have disabilities. Um, now... Um, Obviously, I think most people would prioritize people with disabilities who still want to play games and don't necessarily just want a game to be easy for them. They, they just want to have a plethora of tools to make it so they can play the game as close to the typical experience as possible, uh, whether it's colorblind stuff or whether it's things to help people who are partially you know, or fully hearing or sight impaired and things like that. And in a good example I saw is Steven Spawn. He's a, a really, really big advocate uh, in the accessibility realm, uh, was talking about how like, he's, he's legally blind, I believe. Um, he can see, I think, shades very, very, but whatever. I, you go look up his story. I'm not going to explain it for him because I don't know it well enough. But what he was pointing out is that for someone who's deaf, there's a bunch of subtitle and visual cues that will help with making games fun, a game like Sifu. But that the things that help someone out like that may also help someone who is trying to play while they're holding their newborn and they have to play the game on mute and they can turn on these accessibility things that will improve their experience as well. And so I'm a big proponent and I've actually had discussions with AAA game devs about this privately of, you know, there, there's people on that side of it who think like, I should be able to make the game I want to make. I should be able to make it challenging and I shouldn't have to make it accessible to everyone. Um, it's a, it's a good thing to try to do, but, and, and I kind of agree here just because a game isn't accessible doesn't mean it should be raked over the coals. 
um, especially games from like smaller devs. Now, should games from like Ubisoft and you know these big games like like The Last of Us, I know had a bunch of things. I think Horizon that's about to come out has a bunch of options. Like those games coming from studios like that should have tons of options. Smaller devs, it's not as easy. And the big thing is those giant AAA studios can bring people in um, who are disabled or who need accessibility and they can have like, you know, they can, they have the resources to dedicate like an entire team to that kind of stuff. Where a studio who has like seven people in it or like 17 people in it or even like 50 or more may not have those resources or have the time or the ability to have like a whole team dedicated to this stuff. So it's, it's complicated, right? It, it, it's a hard, it's a, it's a hard thing to, um, to talk about because it, it's a, it's a very, it's not black and white. It, it's very gray. Um, whether it's the reviews or the accessibility side, I know for me, I'm a big believer in that I think we should get reviews from all types of people of all skill levels and we should get accessibility for everyone. And, um, I should mention that Sifu, uh, they came out, I think today I'm talking on Friday and said that they're going to be putting in, I think some difficulty sliders and a bunch of accessibility options. Now, should it have them at launch? You know, probably, um, I, I believe horizon zero dawn just said something about that as well as well, or, uh, the, the new horizon. I don't know if it's Horizon 2. It seems like it's going to be more of like a really big like expansion, but Forgotten Forbidden West. That's it. Okay, so on to the second story today. Xbox um, confirms that Call of Duty and other Activision Blizzard games are going to remain multi-platform. So Microsoft had a big uh, blog this week that was explaining a bunch of changes to their stores and um, this was a Microsoft blog, not Xbox, but buried in it at some point was a big paragraph basically saying like, hey, we're going to keep Call of Duty and some of these other games multi-platform um, through the existing deals that um, exist between Activision and PlayStation. So they will still have access to these games. And then they made it pretty clear at the end, and they've done interviews too, where they said, and after those deals, we will continue to do that. Now, a big part of this blog, and really the, the, the reason it exists, was talking about how they are trying to adjust their business and the way they do things for um, existing and upcoming regulations. And so... To me, what this thing was from Xbox was a big, hey, regulators, FCC, whoever's Federal Trade Commission, FD, I don't know who does, who reviews the deals, but hey, hey, we, we aren't going to take everything. You can let this deal go through. We're going to be cool. We got two thumbs up. We, we, we are, we're, we want everyone to play everywhere. Just please ignore Bethesda, Zenimax, because we're keeping that. We're keeping that on our thing, but, but call of duty and everything else. Yeah. 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 We're good. We're good. Um, and it's probably the right move. Um, I've flip flopped on this a bit. Um, I mean, I think it would be good for Xbox hardware sales and game pass sales for them to make these things exclusive, but it's, it's, a, it's a similar move. Um, and the benefit is similar to like what Bungie is going to do for Sony. With, with Sony acquiring Bungie, 
but still letting Bungie publish, still letting Bungie be multi-platform on Destiny 2 and upcoming projects. Um, what, what they're basically saying is we'll just take the revenue. That's fine. And we'll ensure that they can do their thing. One thing I didn't mention, I think last week about the Sony Bungie deal is that a third of the acquisition cost is going to employees to keep them. So, uh, so it's like $1.2 billion. Uh, they're going to spend on the people who are currently working at Bungie. Um, I assume to sign contracts and say that they'll stay, that they won't leave. Um, and that's a big deal. That's, that's a really big deal. That's a, that's a lot of money. And, and obviously it's going to be parsed into, you know, the CEO is going to get more of that 1.2 billion than the frontline guy who started last week, but everyone will benefit, uh, in some capacity. And my guess is that it's going to be a thing that they'll sign like a two year contract, um, to say they'll stay because the other story that's come out is talking about how Sony plans on releasing 10 live action or, um, open, uh, live service games. And, uh, they, those are, those won't all be made by Bungie. So what I'm assuming is they're going to have a team at Bungie that works with their studios on making, um, live service games. Um, because, while Destiny isn't perfect, it probably does it the best, especially of the like the AAA more popular games. Obviously, I'm sure there's some more niche games that you know do well as well. But but yeah, so this this deal with Xbox, there that Call of Duty stay in multiplayer, and at the end of the day, that's probably a good thing. As someone who leans more as as an Xbox fan doesn't make me mad at the end of the day the more money that all of these companies are making uh the 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 hopefully the more they're investing into future games and hardware and uh we keep seeing cool stuff happen and stuff just gets cooler and more happening so very good uh the next story the nintendo direct so i'm gonna talk about one game i don't care about nintendo haven't cared about it since like i have like a game boy advance or no, I had a Game Boy Color. I haven't had a Nintendo system since. I wanted them. I wanted a Wii. I just never got one. I would love a Switch. I probably won't get one. Um, maybe that may happen next year or this year for the living room, for the little one and the wife. We'll see. But um, what caught my eye from the direct this week was freaking Strikers Battle League. Uh, Strikers is the uh, Nintendo Mario uh, soccer game. And I remember playing this at my buddy's house who had a GameCube. And we would stay up until like the wee hours of the morning. Drinking Mountain Dew, eating Doritos, just playing the hell out of Mario Strikers. And um, this is exciting. This is a... um, this is a game that makes me want to buy a switch because I think my wife would get into it. Honestly, my kid would probably, she's only two and a half, but I'm fairly confident she would pick it up pretty quickly and I would love this. So, uh, so yeah, very cool. I'm excited for that. There was obviously other cool stuff in, in that show too. I'm not a big Nintendo guy, so you won't see me talk about it too much, but strikers, Strikers might bring me home. We'll see. Um, just a cool thing I saw this week was from Shinobi. Um, 
he works uh, in gaming, but he's really known for being like a giant Mass Effect and Bioware fan, as well as kind of having the inside uh, line on some stuff uh, around the gaming world. And with all of the acquisitions going on and people being like, ah, monopolies, oh no, you know, all the AAA studios are going to be owned by Microsoft and Sony. It's the end of the world. Well, um, I think Shinobi, in some capacity, basically put together a list of I don't know, a couple dozen um, AAA studios, most of them who are indie. Um, probably have funding from some big sources, but um, nothing too crazy. But um, it, it it was it was great. Um, I thought it was really really cool. Um, you go through there. Um, there's a bunch of studios. What, what I like that Shinobi did was they um, they made this list and they mentioned like who is working there, or or at least like from what studios. And all of them, you know, they all of these studios who are saying like we're making a AAA game, which means that they're putting. You know, many, many millions of dollars into this. They've got teams, you know, with 100, 150, 200 people or more on them. And they're making these like big things. One of them was the, the developer of the Callisto protocol is a bunch of ex EA devs who made Dead Space. And they're making what looks like a Dead Space spiritual successor. And it looked insane, or at least the cinematic did. Um, and I think the whole point of this was to say like, hey, Yes, there are acquisitions happening. They're not done. They're going to keep doing it. But just realize that there's, um, and this isn't even talking about like double A or indie games um, that are great, that there's some amazing cheaper games out there. Um, but this is pointing out that like, hey, yeah, obviously, you know, the two big players have all these exclusive, you know, studios, but keep in mind, there's still dozens of giant games coming in the next, you know, three, four, five years that, you know, they, at least for now, aren't associated with any platform that they're just going to throw it everywhere. And I thought it was really cool. I highly suggest you go check out Shinobi's post. Crossfire X and its reception. So Crossfire X is a game that I believe is a, is a really popular multiplayer game in Asia and in, in the, in the, more of the Asian market and um, for whatever reason <laughs> Xbox went out and said hey we want to make that an exclusive on the Xbox and we're going to have Remedy you know like Alan Wake I believe um, and you know other like really really high quality very very much loved games um, do the single player and so long story short, <laughs> this game has released and it seems like the multiplayer is like so bad that it's, it's basically laughable. I've watched some streams of it. It's atrocious. It is so awful. It's like literally some of the worst like PVP I've ever seen. It's so bad. Um, but I've also watched some of the single player and it seems fine. Like the storytelling looks incredible. I mean, it's remedy. They, they know how to tell a story. Um, the, the actual gameplay, you know, I don't think it's a very good game. Um, but I am hearing good things about the single player. This, um, this is kind of a weird spot for Xbox because, um, it's a while until the next big Xbox exclusive 
off the top of my head. I think Redfall is supposed to come this summer. I'm not expecting that to be like a blockbuster. Um, and then Starfield, I think, is you know the next big, big game. After that, we're talking about games like the next Hellblade, the next Gears of War, um, things that are coming from Bethesda, Zenimax, things that will eventually come from Activision Blizzard. Um, but there's kind of a drought, and the problem is is that the, the very few exclusive games that are currently coming to Xbox are like Crossfire X, and they kind of suck. It's just the truth. Um, you know, that there's that, like, uh, that, that whatever infinite game that, um, like just disappeared that's developed by one guy. Um, you know, so, you know, it, it's not a great time. I, I'm basically hearing that the single player of Crossfire X might be worth checking out and that's it. And then play it like once. I think it's only like six hours, the whole single player campaign, and then probably delete it and forget it exists. So there you go. Okay, so th I actually took this idea from Shinobi, um, where they posted a their top 10 most anticipated games in general, not just this year. So I'm going to list mine, and I'll explain a little bit. So number one, and, and I feel like I'm going to, I'm really going to put, you know, upset some people here. It's the next Mass Effect. Now, this game, it, it, it's, it's theorized that it's going to start actual development. It's in pre-production probably right now. Um, it'll start development next year, like proper development. And you're probably looking at like a two, two and a half year development cycle is my guess. And um, so we're probably looking at like 2025, 2026. So this game's way off. <laughs> Obviously, I'm excited. I've been talking about Mass Effect nonstop for the last like year. And uh, and so I won't do it anymore in this moment. Um, number two and, and bear with me here is actually the next dragon age, which is expected in 2023. And the reason I say that I'm not really a big fan of the dragon age games, but I'm excited about it for two reasons. One, I'm excited about it because it means they'll start development on mass effect. So there's my, there's, there, there's my selfish reason. And two, I'm excited about it because I'm, I'm seeing people say like, oh man, this, this dragon age is really going to be an indicator of, 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 uh, of what's going to happen with mass effect. I'm not in that camp because mass effect is going to be on a different engine and it didn't start development as one thing. And then get switched in the middle, which the, you know, dragon age four did, it was going to be this live service multiplayer game. And then I think like a year and a half ago or two years ago, they flipped that. I think after Anthem failed and Andromeda didn't do well. And now it's just a single player game. I believe I don't, I don't even think it's co-op. Um, hopefully that ends up being a good thing. Um, but I, I do think that I'm excited about it cause I want to see if there's a spark of life in Bioware. Because while I don't think this is really going to be a, a giant indicator of if the next Mass Effect will be good or not, I do think it will be at least like a little bit of a, um, how healthy is this studio? Have they kind of, because they've had, you know, multiple, you know, they had Inquisition back in 2016, I think. And then Andromeda didn't go well, ended up getting canceled. 
or ended development. Then they and they ended development to work on Anthem, which didn't go well. And now they're on Dragon Age 4, which is on like a six-year development cycle, which for Bioware is a long time. This is not their this is weird for them. So I'm excited about next Dragon Age because I'm really just kind of curious if if Bioware can say, hey, we're back. Um, the next game is Sinua's Saga Hellblade 2. Um, I, I just, I really think this is going to be like Xbox's God of War, if not more. Um, maybe not in a gameplay perspective exactly, but from a story and presentation perspective, I'm just so hyped for that game. Uh, number four, I have Starfield, which is coming later this year. Uh, we know that in November. Um, I'm really, really, really hoping. Um, basically, if it scratches my Fallout itch and my Mass Effect itch for like a year, a year and a half, overjoyed. You know, it's supposed to be showcasing their brand new, fully upgraded everything engine. You know, Fallout 76 taught us to maybe not believe everything they say, but we'll have high hopes. And and I'm just so excited about Starfield. And, and I think that um, I, I think Starfield is going could end up being like Xbox's like headline game. Honestly, I, I think it could end up being a really big deal. Uh, number five, I have the division three. So this is a huge hope. Um, I, um, am basically under the impression there won't be a division three, even like thought about until the star Wars game comes out for massive, um, which is probably still two or three years away. So I know I've seen people being like, oh, I bet they're developing Division 3 right now. I bet they aren't. <laughs> I, uh, they're, they're barely getting out Division 2 content that wasn't supposed to happen. And Heartland, you know, <laughs> we, I, 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 I don't think that there, there's a secret team working on Division 3 right now. If I'm wrong, great. That, and I am happy to be wrong. But I, I've seen lots of people making videos and and, uh, and 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 getting people all hyped up, saying like, "Oh yeah, I bet I bet Division Three comes out in 2023." I'm like, "I bet it doesn't. I bet it's a fart in the wind until like 2024, and then I bet it doesn't come out until like 2026 or 2027." But that may depend on how this Division Two content is received in Heartland. But I don't know. Number six, I have Massive's Star Wars game. So mentioning that just now, um, I'm really excited for this game. Um, I'll mention Avatar as well, um, because I'm excited to see what Massive can do that isn't the division. Um, you have to realize that Massive was acquired by, by Ubisoft and essentially rebooted. Um, they had the idea for the division before they were acquired but it didn't become real until they were acquired. So it's been an Ubisoft game and it's all they've done. It's all they've released. Now they've developed the Snowdrop engine, which is a huge deal and is starting to be used around Ubisoft the same way Frostbite is at EA for better or worse. I think Snowdrop's a better engine, but that's uh, maybe I'm a little biased. And um, the reason I'm excited about the Star Wars game is that for a bunch of devs who have spent the last like 10 plus years working on the division and who have never really been allowed to make the division what it should have been 
I'm hoping that they're now getting to kind of flex their creative muscle and make the Star Wars game. I mean, for so many of these people, that must be a dream franchise to get to work on. And so now they get to put away the division for a while and make something completely new. Um, make something that's going to be Star Wars canon. Like, that's so cool if you're into that. And even if you're not, it's still a big responsibility. So I'm really excited for that game. I don't expect it until 2024 at the earliest. Number seven, Stalker 2. So I've seen a lot about Stalker over the years and people modding it and making this crazy game out of it. And um, even though Stalker 2 seems to be in in some kind of trouble, I am still really excited to see what it's all about. If, if this next game um, lives up to the hype of the first one in a newer skin and with all of the new things. And the last game came out, I think, like seven or eight years ago. So the gaming has come a long way since then. And so if this game can be as immersive and as um, as great as it could be, um, I'm, I'm thinking it could like low key become a game I'm really, really into. Uh, number eight is The Outer Worlds 2. So I loved The Outer Worlds. Um, it's a bit short. It definitely feels like a first go at a thing. And um, and, and that's and that's OK. Um, the studio who made it, it, it was um I believe it started before they were even acquired by Xbox. It's the studio who made Fallout New Vegas. So bringing them back together with Bethesda Zenimax is definitely an interesting proposition. And um, the Outer Worlds just had such a cool feel to it. But you could tell they needed like twice the budget and twice the time to make it like a full fledged Because it just felt like a Fallout game. Honestly, it probably feels like a, a smaller budget version of what Starfield's going to be like. And that's okay with me because it was so fun. The gameplay, eh, it was okay. But the characters and the dialogue and the stories, uh, so fun. It's actually been, I haven't played it since it came out. Um, I beat it and never touched it. Um, I feel like I've forgotten everything about that game. And I would really like to go back. And there's DLCs that I never played. So, um, the Outer Worlds 2, they've done one teaser for it, and it was literally saying, we have nothing to show you, so we're just going to show you a bunch of random crap, but this game is being made. Um, I really hope that they can buckle down and make the game, like make something big. And the funny thing is, is if it's as big and cool as it could be, it'll be a Starfield competitor, which is kind of weird, um, but that's okay. I'll, I'll take two. The Outdoor Worlds was very wacky and very funny, and they were definitely leaning into the into the funny, goofy thing, uh, big time, which is great. Um, and we'll, and I think Starfield's going to be much more grounded and much more serious. And so I think having those two different types of games in the similar genre is, uh, I think it's okay. Um, number nine, I have the Callisto protocol. So I'm, I wasn't really a dead space fan. Um, and so I'm not super excited about that remake, but I am excited about the Callisto protocol. Cause I'm just excited to see what, what the, the people who made dead space can do on their own. And when they're allowed to do whatever they want and they don't have daddy EA sitting over them. 
Uh, and then number 10, I'm going to wrap it up with Massive's Avatar game. Um, I'm actually a big Avatar stan. I, I love that movie. I'm super hyped for the movies that are coming. I know it's just space Pocahontas with blue people. Pocahontas is an incredible story. So cool. I love it. <laughs> I want more of it. And, and, and uh, this avatar game is interesting. It's another game being done by massive. It's another game where they're going to get to flex their muscle in a different way than the, the division. It's a first person game, which I found to be a choice <laughs> um, for a game. That's probably going to have a lot of like, movement um especially if you play as the navi which i believe you do i think you also play as the marines the humans so i'm, I'm curious to how that works but uh, i can't wait to see it S snowdrop is an absolutely gorgeous engine and from what i've heard from some people i know um they've they've added in like ray tracing to it and all kinds of really cool stuff and um you know, that Avatar world is so ripe to have a really beautiful game made in it and has uh, an open book story to be able to tell a cool story. And I really hope they can do that. Uh, I do have one honorable mention is Everwild. Um, I, I, we'll see if that game ever comes out. But the, the stuff they've shown us, even though it sounds like the game has been kind of rebooted, uh, was very whimsical and very pretty. And so I hope Everwild comes out and it's super cool. Uh, the next quick topic is they put out another Lightyear trailer. Um, if you don't know, they're making an origin movie for Buzz Lightyear from the Toy Story games. Um, the, the story goes that the Buzz Lightyear doll in the Toy Story games was inspired by a TV series or a movie series in that universe. And what they're doing is they're making the movie about the character that the toy was made for. It sounds stupid, but from what I've seen, the trailers are just gorgeous and the music is on point. And I know this is more of a gaming podcast, but this, it feels like a game and it looks so cool. And the way it looks like they're going to try to bring in the stuff that we know about Buzz Lightyear's like lore, uh, it looks really interesting. And, um, I'm so excited about that. It's one of those movies. I don't want to see any more trailers. I just want to go see the movie. I know that I know it's going to be cool. It's the same with that Batman movie. that's coming out. I don't want any more trailers. I just want to see the movie because it looks dope. Um, second to last story here. There's a new mass effect statue. So if you're a tally stand like me, you can go over to Bioware gear right now and order a tally statue. I believe it's 125 bucks. And I am probably going to be in trouble, but that's my birthday gift to myself. Um, I, I got this because I'm really curious. Um, you, you can't find the original figures from back when the game came out originally for like less than like five or $600 on eBay. Um, there's aftermarket and like Etsy ones that people are doing with like 3d printers. They're still pretty expensive. And I, I don't know. It just feels a little risky, um, even though some of them do look really cool. So this seemed like an opportunity for me to add a friend next to all of my uh, the division uh, statues. And uh, yeah, so there's gonna be 5,500 of them made. There's also an unpainted version. And if you're uh, if you're into that the way I am, um, I highly suggest you checking out. Maybe putting up your pre-order. The last story here is the Division Heartland leaks. So, 
for reasons. I am not going to cover these leaks um, just to be safe. Um, but long story short, Tom Henderson posted a article that goes into pretty heavy detail about what the division heartland might be. Um, and I'm just going to leave it there. So I'll let all of the, uh, the expected people make their 10 minute and one second videos about it. And, um, long story short, I sure hope we get to see and play this game soon publicly so I can talk about it because that would be very cool for me. I would love to talk about it. Listener questions. We have a couple today. Of course, Master Prime on Discord says, should Call of Duty stop launching a new game every year? Um, yeah. I mean, they do. So the problem is, is from a quality standpoint, yeah, they should stop doing that. From a revenue standpoint, why? They make so much money. So much money. So I think it would be cool if they maybe combined a couple of the studios who have been working on these games and have them put out a new game like every two years and maybe have one of those studios or another studio manage like like the battle royale and, and develop on that but i just like i didn't play vanguard or black ops 7 whatever they did um, I am interested in the one coming this year if it's a sequel to the 2019 Modern Warfare prequel, I guess is what it was. Um, but it would be cool for them to, to to be able to sit back and and make like a really deep immersive single player campaign um, to to really dig in, move to a new engine, like to like like really like glow this game, this series up and stop and stop constantly pushing for that next yearly release and switching studios and taking it away from one and giving it to the other. I, I don't think that's a healthy environment and it would be really cool to see them um, just let that, let that, let that simmer a little bit instead of constantly churning it out. Second question, should Xbox Live disappear and only leave Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think paying 60 bucks a year for internet access is is very not 2022 of Xbox. Um, I, I think that they could survive if they really just push Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate hard because it's incredible. It's so good. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think gold should disappear. That will also be really good for people with free to play games. I know that they've made most of those accessible without gold now. So that just turns into what, why even have gold at this point? But that's just my opinion and thoughts on dying light Two. I talked about it last week. I haven't played it. I don't plan on playing it. Um, I don't really like melee based games, especially first person. Um, but from reviews, it looks like it was received pretty well but the ending really, really sucks, but it's fun to play is the take I've got. And then Raud Grani on discord said, um, asked, um, what do you think of the two week shorter season for the division two? Um, can we take a hint for the new content? So if you aren't aware of this, um, so, so the division two, it came out and it had, um, three episodes. Uh, and those happened in year one. 
year two of the division two which started in 2020 march warlords of new york a big dlc with a new map came out and then they did a year of uh manhunts there are four of them which went to march of 2021 from 2021 to now they re-ran manhunt one two and four and at the end of four, their new content was supposed to come out around now or in the next month or two, but it got delayed. So now they're adding on three. So, so they, so they're replaying all of the manhunts, but out of order. So right now three is being replayed, which didn't get replayed in order last year because they thought they were going to have content. Um, but what people have noticed is that the end date um, I think these, the manhunts are typically 12 weeks and this one's, I think is only 10. And so there's a lot of speculation going around that people think, um, that's a signal that the new content that got delayed from February will, will be coming in, I guess, April. Um, so what do I think of that? Um, uh, maybe, um, I, I suspect that the delay in February was probably a, we could put this out, but it's not ready. And there's things that we want to do better. And so what typically happens, at least from my impression, is that they don't like Ubisoft doesn't go, okay, delay it and then release it whenever you want. They probably put in like, like they probably had to say, okay, we want to delay and we want to delay it to this day. Um, and, and, and then when they did this third season replay, they probably took that into account. Now, does that mean it's not going to get delayed again? Absolutely not. It could definitely get delayed again. I don't think it will. I, I think that there's a, a feeling um, with the Division 2 of that this new content is already like a year late, <laughs> to be totally honest. Um, and it's probably too late to make a huge impact, in my opinion. But there's still a lot of people who care and who want this, including me. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um if if uh, if if that end date is suggestive of when the new content comes, um, if so, that means that they'd probably do a PTS in March. So my guess is we'll start hearing about that sooner than later. Um, thank you, Master Prime and Raoul Grani, for your questions. If you have any questions, you can ask in my Discord. You can ask on Twitter. You can ask in the YouTube comments. You can email me. Whatever. I want to hear from you. I, I love answering I love answering questions or giving my opinion on specific topics. Okay, we're gonna wrap up with some content updates here. So future content for this channel. Um, so when the Division Two content in Heartland comes out, I will do that stuff. I just I made a tweet about it this week talking about how like I'm happy to to to, to podcast or stream to one-tenth the audience that I used to um, when I focused on the division because I'm happy um, I, I love talking about Mass Effect now um, I, I, I even don't mind dunking on the division a little bit and I love just talking about everything and not having a focus on one thing because the people that you see that are still doing that they just don't seem happy like to still be covering the division exclusively right now all the power to anyone who's doing that. But the problem is, is that for the most part, with a few exceptions, 
the only way you can still be covering the division in 2022 is with toxicity and negativity and nasty hot takes and harassing devs on Twitter and shit like that. And that is bad for your brain. That's not good for you. And I, there's a few people who keep it on the up and up and, and that's cool, but most don't. And I understand, like, I know it's hard to move away from that. I really think that unless someone's trying to make this stuff their full-time job, you, you, you shouldn't worry so much about getting like two or 3000 views on your videos about the division, even though you're just scraping the bottom of the barrel for something to talk about or just straight making stuff up like some of them do that, you know, getting two or three or four or 500 views on a video when you're talking about something you actually really like and care about now, you know, if you're not trying to do this full time, it doesn't make a difference, you know? And honestly, if you're trying to do this thing full time, you, you probably plateaued with the division like a year and a half ago. And so I will cover that when there's stuff to cover, but, um, as much as I enjoyed between division one and two, just straight making shit up to, to keep talking about the division. It's just the division three is so far away at this point. And even this heartland and division two content is so up in the air that I just, I can't do it. And, and it, it wouldn't be good for me. It wouldn't be good for the content. Um, and I'm doing this for fun. So, you know, obviously in the future talking about mass effect, I already, I have a video I want to make right now. And, to, and, and none of you probably care and that's fine, but to talk about like, you know, some stuff that's in that community right now and, and, and I'm excited and I know that like 50 people are going to watch it and that's okay. And, and that's kind of where we're probably moving forward here. Um, obviously when Starfield comes out, um, that's a game I would actually like to try to maybe do some guides, which I've never really done before do some lore videos, which I've never done before. It, 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 I mean, it's a new Bethesda IP. We haven't had that in a really long time in like 20 years. So, uh, that might be a game where I try to really get into that community, but we'll see. Um, Sinuous Saga, obviously other games as well. Um, that's where we're going. Um, this podcast will continue. Um, and you know, I, I don't want this to stop. I'll probably be doing this podcast for a lot longer than I should. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you keep coming back, so will I. Um, on Twitter, I did I did take advantage of a newsletter feature they have on there. I'm not going to use it that much. Um, but every now and then, I would like to just type stuff out and just kind of rant or talk about a topic in gaming uh, or speculate about something and to put it in the text and see if people want to read it instead of listening to this podcast or watching a video or coming to my stream. So you can be on the lookout for that. The streaming inconsistency, I haven't streamed since last weekend as I speak right now. It's just, I'm busy. Um, Bay Diesel's busy. And when Bay Diesel's busy, I'm busy. I was sick this week. You might be able to hear it in my voice. I'm still not completely better. Um, I'm busy all weekend. We've got the Super Bowl with our local hometown team in it. Um, the Bay Diesel is gone all day on Saturday. So my weekend is toasted, basically. Um, so just the streaming, I will try to stream as much as possible. Um, so please come by. I love, love chatting with you people in like that situation, that one-on-one -on -one personal situation. I had kind of a fun situation happen this week in two different ways. Uh, so one way, um, Shinobi made that tweet about his top 10 or their top 10. 
and number one was Mass Effect, and I said something along the lines of, that number one makes me happy. And Shinobi and Mike Gamble, the lead of the next Mass Effect game, both liked it, and it made my day. And then the next day, or I think the same day, um, kind of funny, did a podcast where they ranked all the states. It was a very tongue-in-cheek thing. They were joking around, and some people did not get the jo- <laughs> did not get that joke at all. And um, and I made a comment on their YouTube and on Reddit, two different comments um, that got a lot of attention to the point where Greg Miller, the head of Kind of Funny, um, posted a picture of my message on YouTube, laughing about it. And then, to my surprise, the Games Daily from February 10th, uh, in the first third of it, um, Tim says that, that, that podcast was so fun. Everyone's freaking out, but my favorite thing is the reactions from people. And he says, there's a comment on Reddit that I've read probably a hundred times. I laugh every time. And he reads my, my Reddit comment and he's dying laughing. And then Greg Miller says, well, Bond Diesel's on fire because on YouTube, I posted this and he, he read mine and he couldn't even finish. He was laughing so hard. Now this is a huge pat myself on the back moment. I get it. Like you guys don't care about this, but that was a big deal for me because honestly, like, like the the content I make is plateaued, if not declining in viewership and stuff like that. So to be able to be noticed by people who really inspire me to keep doing this, even in the face of it, not really going anywhere, at least not right now. Um, it's just, it was really exciting to be noticed both in the mass effect and the kind of funny sense. So if by happenstance, anyone involved in any of that, uh, sees this, I just thank you very much for that. Um, it's stupid how much that means to someone, uh, to, to be, to see that reaction. And, um, yeah, no, it's pretty cool. So uh, if you want to watch it, it was kind of funny games daily on February 10th. It's in like the first third. I posted a, a clip of it on my Twitter at Von Diesel. So, yeah. Let's wrap this thing up. Uh, you can find me on all places of the internet as Von Diesel, uh, including uh, especially Twitter, YouTube, and on Twitch. Um, please consider donating to my Extra Life 2022 campaign, which you can find the links on my Twitter or down below this podcast in the description or comments on YouTube. Um, And uh, that's all I have. So until next time.